Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Hallelujah. Hello to everyone at Philadelphia Tabernacle. Come on, let's say hello to them. Let's give them a cheer from here. We're so excited today because we have some Philly folks in the house. Walter and Melinda Martinez are here with their two kids, Sarah and Josiah. And these people are already precious servants in the house of God. Are they here? Are they? Yes, could you stand? Come on, let's give them a, a warm greeting. Woo! So excited that they're here. Hallelujah. And you know what? Their daughter, Sarah, is here because she's praying about coming to CSL for college next year, be an intern here, and take all of her college classes. And we're so excited. She is a wonderful, young, powerful woman of God. Praise the Lord. And you know what? I'm so happy to be on this series. This series is so near and dear to my heart, we're in the second message of the Keys to Fellowship series. What we experienced earlier in our worship time was just a time of worshiping, a time of fellowshipping with our, our Father, with our Lord and Savior. And, you know, I mentioned a couple of things last week, and I want to keep building as I'm unpacking the book of 1 John. 1 John was written by John, the author of the book of John as well, and he wrote two other epistles and the book of Revelation. But I want to give you some kind of further insight on this book. First of all, the book of John was written so that men might believe and be saved. It says that at the end, John chapter 20, I believe, 22, one of those. And so at the end it says, the book was written so that men might believe and be saved. But last week, I mentioned this, I want to say it one more time. First John is written that we might draw near and walk in fellowship with God. So let me read the key verses, uh, uh, I believe, of this book. He says this is why we announce it to you and say this to you. This is, this is what the Bible says. It says, we have seen and heard what we announce to you also so that you will join with us in the fellowship. Everyone say fellowship. fellowship. In the fellowship that we have with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And then he says, we write this in order that our joy may be complete. And when he says our joy, he means joy in Philadelphia. He means joy for everyone who's watching online. He means joy for everyone here. When you fellowship with God, there is this constant flow and stream of joy. Nothing will satisfy your life more than fellowshipping with the Father and with the Son. How many would say amen to that? <laughs> Hallelujah. So let me, let me say this about 1 John, and I want to encourage you. This is a great book to read a couple times this week. Just read all. It's not a super long book. Read all of 1 John and just drink it in. It'll strengthen you and bless you. But J. Sidlow Baxter said this. John is contemplative rather than argumentative. Now, the reason why he's saying that is because this book, in a way, can come across argumentative, but it's not. He's not coming at you. Jesus is coming for you. Amen. So listen to this. He presents truths as they come by intuitive perception rather than by reasoned conclusion. He is mystical rather than logical. He sees the confirmation of truth in one's experience of it rather than in demonstration by argument. So, for example, my wife didn't uh, plan to, to ask that, the, uh, that brother to pray. She didn't plan that. She felt from the Spirit to, 
to ask him to pray in the same way she could have asked any of these people. Because these people walk with God. When you walk with God, there's a fluency, there's a familiarity that you have with God because you experience God. How many know we're supposed to experience Jesus? How many agree we're supposed to experience his nearness, his love, his power, his glory in Philadelphia, online, right in this room? That's what this is all about. This is not a religion of the head. This is a religion of the heart. And so this, there comes a point where your salvation should become fellowship with the Father. That's how I judge whether we are accomplishing God's will. Our leader, we as leaders, how are we accomplishing God's will? It's not how big Philly Tab gets. That's not, that's not what it's about. Okay, now I will tell you this, when a church is healthy, it grows. Yeah. How many would say amen? You know, when our church was little, God always told me, look, instead of worrying about who's not here, grow whoever is here. Come on, somebody say amen. So this is all about having all of us um, take advantage of this incredible invitation that we have by the power of the Holy Spirit to actually fellowship with God. Now, the best way for me to describe this series is to have you imagine John to be your fellowship coach. And we know about coaches because people hire coaches for everything now, okay? How many, how many would say amen? There's all kinds of coaches. Life coach, swing coach, you know, uh, diet coach, every kind of coach available. Well, John is your fellowship coach, amen? And I want you to imagine John saying, here's what I want you to practice, even if this is unique, even if, even if this feels like not normal, I want you to practice it anyway and watch how it impacts your normal life. It's almost as if you had a music teacher. A music teacher will always cause you to start with scales. How many know what scales are, right? So I have my wife come up. My wife doesn't play the piano a ton, but in the house, whenever she plays the piano, I always hear her do something. So I asked her to do it today. She learned this when she was a little girl. Go ahead. Let's go. So, Annie, come out here. You know, I'm using daddy privileges. Do that ma, ma, ma thing you do. Right? Come on. Ma, 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 the drummer, yo, this, this, this boy is bad. Come on, come on, bro. Slow first so that they could get it. So all musicians, like all athletes, they have these fundamental things. The, the, that was scales. This is called paradiddles, right? Is that the way to say it? Go ahead, brother. Throw one in. Let's go. Yeah. 
What's the purpose of that? If you can do that, that enables you to do all of what they do. You understand? Scales, it's a, in every sport, there's fundamentals that you practice the fundamentals and then everything that you do is an expression of those fundamentals. That's what this series is all about. This series is about the fundamentals of fellowship with God. And if you know and practice your spiritual scales, I almost titled this Spiritual Scales, but this is for the whole series, then you're gonna find that you're gonna have a sense of closeness to God, a sense of strength in God, even during seasons of stress and hardship and difficulty, you're gonna have a heavenly perspective when everyone is breaking down. How many know the child of God can stand strong and stand up? Come on, put your hands together, hallelujah. So this is another message last week, this week, this is another message, and we have a few more weeks after this. We're talking about spiritual scales or fundamentals. And these are the things that, that prepare you for all of the stresses and struggles of life. I'm gonna tell you right now, if you practice fellowship with the Father and with the Son, you're gonna walk in victory, you're gonna walk in peace, you're gonna walk in joy, and the favor and blessing of God will be upon your life. How many would say amen? So the second key to fellowship with God has to do with spiritual detaching and attaching. Detaching and attaching. The title of today's message is Detach and attach. So you got to know how to spiritually detach from certain things and how to maintain your attachment to our Father, to the Son, by the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. And so what I want to do today is I want to pray right now in Philadelphia, if you're watching online, I want you to engage your heart deep with God. I want you to say, Lord, teach me how to detach from anything that ruins fellowship and attach so that there will be this never-ending, increasing fellowship with you. Come on, lift your hands with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this beautiful day, Lord, in your house. It's rainy on the outside, but Lord, at least here in Chicago, but it is so sunny on the inside because we have Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords in our hearts. So God, would you bless, oh God, this time and would you grow our fellowship with you? I pray for every person in Philadelphia. I pray for everyone watching online. God, we thank you, Lord, that we are one church and in, in, in two cities, but Lord, we are one because of you. Bless this word, bless our time, bless our hearts. Feed us deeply, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. So now John begins the thought of detaching, first of all, by presenting all the reasons that we are attached and can remain attached to God. So I'm gonna read a passage of scripture. Um, the first uh, verses, this is in chapter two. We're gonna read 12 through 14 first. And I wanna, these are all reasons why we are attached to the master. Listen to this. He says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Yeah. 
So let me just say this very quickly and he's gonna repeat it. Here's what he's saying. Here's how we attach and here's how we can stay attached and why we can stay attached. Children, we are forgiven by God. We are blessed by the blood of Jesus. Anybody here blessed by the blood of Jesus? Come on, hallelujah. The blood of Jesus keeps you in fellowship. We're attached because of the blood of Jesus. It's not because of us. It's because of what he did for us. Somebody say amen. Amen. But listen, I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who, because you know him who is from the beginning. And so not only are we attached by the blood, but we are attached because we walk in faith and we're sure in our hearts of who he is. He is the creator. He is the author of all things. And he is the lover of our soul. And we know that we know that God is real. Anybody here know that God is real? He's real. Hallelujah. It says, you know him. Fathers, you know him. And part of growing up in God, part of becoming mature in God is that you know him. I love this one, though. Okay, I love where he says this. He says, I write to you. Listen, I write to you, young men. This is for young men and women, fathers, mothers. This is for all people. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you because you have overcome the evil one. In other words, brothers and sisters, we can walk in victory. We can walk by the power of truth, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through fellowship with God, not in our own strength. You cannot do this in your own strength. But let me tell you, if you're washed in the blood, if you're sure of who he is, you can overcome the evil one. We can walk in victory. We've got the victory in the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. There's victory in Jesus. Victory over temptation, victory over sin, victory over the lies of this world, victory over darkness, victory over the bottle, victory over lust, victory over perversion, victory over hatred, victory over politics. We have the victory. You know, sometimes if you're like, oh my goodness, it is so hard. Yes, the battle is hard, but the victory is ours. Hallelujah. So I'm going to read the rest of it. He says it again. I, then he, he goes on to say, uh, because you have overcome the evil, I write to you children because you know the Father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you're strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So this is why we are attached Because God is real, because he shed his blood, because he's given us his word, and we can abide with him. We can fellowship with him. How many would say amen? Amen. This is good. Now, this is going to now switch gears here, and we're going to look at the importance of spiritual detaching. And that's the focus of today's message 1 John 2.15 says this. It says, do not love the world or anything that belongs to the world. If you love the world, you do not love the Father. Everything that belongs to the world, what the sinful self desires, what people see and want, and everything in this world that people are so proud of, none of this comes from the Father, it all comes from the world. The world and everything in it that people desire is passing away. Could you guys read this with me together? Ready? But those who do the will of God live forever. Let's say that one more time because you guys didn't follow that time. Okay, so I got a different translate. My bad. (laughs) Let's read it off of here. Sorry, Philly. Sorry, Philly. All right, watch this. Ready? Let's go. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. 
Whoever does the will of God abides forever. By the way, this is not coming up, but I do want to read this to you. In James, he says it pretty strong. He says, unfaithful people, do you, don't you know that to be the world's friend means to be God's enemy? If you want to be the world's friend, you make yourself God's enemy. So he's saying, don't attach to this world. He's saying, don't fall in love with the things of the world. What's he talking about? What does the world mean? It means world affairs, the aggregate of things earthly, the whole circle of earthly goods, endowment, endowments, riches, advantages, pleasures, which although hollow and frail and fleeting, stir desire, seduce from God, and are obstacles to the cause of Christ. What are we talking about today? Today we're talking specifically about materialism, about pleasures and privileges. Now here's what's tricky about today's message. What's tricky about the message today is he is not saying that you should not take advantage of privileges, that you should not experience pleasures, He's not saying that you should avoid everything and you should be suffering every day. Walking with Jesus should not be like, nah, 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 nah. that's not what he's saying, okay? What he's saying is foundationally don't attach to this world. Don't make the goals of this world, the things that this world offers, don't make that everything. You understand? He doesn't mean that you cannot uh, experience some of those things. And we're going to clarify that today. But here's what he's saying. The wrong attachment will detach us from the heart and will of God. So if you fall in love with this world, you cannot at the same time be in love with Jesus. So again, that's not coming at you. That's coming for you. The Holy Spirit is saying that will not satisfy you anyway. That won't last. It's, it evaporates. It's all superficial. But when you fellowship with the Father, your joy runs deep. Doing the will of God is what gives us real fulfillment and purpose. Amen? So let's look at these three things that he gives us that we need to be sure not to attach to or we need to detach from. And I want to unpack these very, very quickly. I've got a lot to say today, but these things are very important. First, there's, there's the sinful self-desires. I'm going to call them self-centered desires. Okay? This is obvious. Self-centered desires are obvious because these are things that are in direct opposition to God's will. So sometimes we pursue things that the Bible says is not good for us. And you, when, you, when you disregard the word of God, you're sinning against his will and his word. But it's a sinful desire. And let me tell you something. Sinful desires are, are air sandwiches. Okay? You might eat it, but at the end, you're just empty. You, it breaks you. It breaks you down. It breaks your family down. It breaks your life down. Right. It just does not help. Somebody say amen. amen. And so that's, that's what it is. But the other two are a little bit more tricky. I'm going to call the second one shiny objects. It's what people see and want. And here's what's challenging about this. There are a lot of things that we have, uh, we pursue. We want, uh, it's not a sin to say, I want a nice car. It's not a sin to say, I want a nice house. It's not a sin to say, I want this or I want that. However, we have to be careful because if that is what you attach to, 
And if that's what your focus is, getting this promotion, getting this, getting that, getting this thing, getting that, I'm telling you right now, you'll always be chasing another thing. We call these shiny objects, there's something in business that they call shiny object syndrome. And it talks about, about CEOs sometimes who, who they get this plan and they go after this and then they switch plans and then they go after this. And there's a, there's a chart I want to put up for you very quickly here. So we kind of made this a spiritual chart from the, from the kind of business chart. But look, the normal curve of fellowship with God means that you just keep fellowshipping no matter what the twists and turns are. But shiny object syndrome is more like this. You're going on and you start to pursue, oh, look, a new pleasure. Because this one didn't, this didn't satisfy me. So a new pleasure, you drop. And then you go up again. Oh, look, a new toy. I can't wait to get this. When I get this, that's it. This is going to be the best toy I ever had. And then 15 minutes later, I'm going to get the new car and say, I will never eat French fries in this car. <laughs> I won't do it. I will not look at my steering wheel and see that greasy spot. I'm not going to look between the seats and see that little tiny fry that fell down there, but your fingers can't reach. It's so everything, and then after a while, it's just another thing. Oh, look, a new privilege. I want to be part of that crew. I want to be part of that club. In the end, it leads to nothing. It leaves you emptiness, empty. And there's nothing worse than walking in pursuit of something and then experiencing emptiness over and over and over again. So he's saying, don't attach to these things. It's, it's you know, it's, it's gonna leave you so disappointed. And one thing is, if you don't know, but when you do know, and when you have someone, something so much better. How many know fellowship with Jesus? Fellowship with Jesus is the best. Third one is what the Bible calls is pride build. I'm calling it pride builders. This means everything in this world that people are so proud of. Okay? It doesn't say hate it. All of it, all it says is don't let this thing don't, don't become obsessed with these things. Don't get crazy. And beware, brothers and sisters, beware of success. Success will make you very, very vulnerable in the spirit realm if you're not careful. But there's nothing wrong with success. You know, I, there's, a, uh, there's a guy named Ernie Johnson. He, is, uh, he hosts, he's one of these sports hosts, and I've heard him. Numerous times I've heard him talk about his faith on national TV. This guy is a real Christian, and he's a six-time Emmy Award winner, and he talked about this. I usually don't play a clip more than two minutes. This is a little closer to four minutes, but this is a classic day-to-day, real-time example of what I'm talking about. Listen to this. The job is what I do. It's not who I am. And it's been, and the job has been very good to me and my family, and and has paid the bills for a long, long time, uh, much more than I deserve. And uh, but it is, it's, it's my job. And and there was a time in my life where the job was right here, and now it's it's moved into its proper place. Because I think sometimes we can we get so driven um, and get so ambitious that it overtakes everything. And so I, you know, it took me a while to learn that and and to realize that uh, you can be good at your job without being consumed by it. Do you remember when and where and how you learned it? I remember a specific incident that uh, kind of told me, "What do you?" What are you doing? I was, this is back in local TV, uh, WSB uh, in Atlanta. And I'm the weekend sports anchor. And they give me about six and a half minutes, okay, out of that half hour. And 
And on a weekend, you got a lot of stuff going on. You got Georgia football, Georgia Tech football, you got, you know, there's more than enough to fill up six and a half minutes. And I sat down to do my, to do my uh, segment, and the producer uh, notified me that she had mistimed the show. So you got three instead of six and a half. Okay, so I didn't really go off at that point, but I kind of crammed this stuff in and got off the air and and in front of the production crew as she is apologizing to me I was I just I got in her face she's against the wall of the control room and I am just letting her have it and it was it was absolutely it was it was off the charts vile and I walked away proud of it and it bugged me for years and it bugged me because I had never apologized for it and several years later lo and behold that producer had moved on from WSB was now at CNN and I reached out to her with an email first and then later face to face. And I said, I don't know if you remember me. And she said, oh, I remember you. <laughs> and I said, look, I'm, this is years late, but I'm sorry. And, and I'm, I said, you don't know how, how sorry I am. I can't, can't even express it. Um, and I'm just asking you to forgive me. And she said, I forgave you the minute you did it because that's what my faith tells me to do. And I was like rocked. And it was really, that was kind of the, the defining moment that said, get over yourself, get over your job, get over your ego. And and realize where this fits into the big picture. And it's not at the mountaintop. There's a place for it, but that's not where it is. Wow. <clears throat> this is a good truth for us to hear. Get over yourself. Get over your ego. Get close to God. You see, no matter how you slice it, we're in this world and there's nothing wrong with wanting to be very successful. What's wrong is when success becomes an idol. What's wrong is when your bank account becomes an idol. What's wrong is when you start to actually believe that you're somebody. When all we are is blood-bought sinners. Blessed by the Most High God. Anybody here uh, feel grateful for everything God has done for you in Philadelphia? Come on, put your hands together. And look, let me, let me like, I'm trying to make this super practical today. So my son was in, uh, in town last week and with his family. And he said, Dad, come play golf with me and a couple of my buddies. So... Mike Simaruski, who's there in the second row, and uh, he was in my office the other day. He's got three little kids in tow. Richie Green was there. Richie Green met his wife here. These are men of God, but they're businessmen, you know? And, and should, should Mike say, I want to get my wife a house that's more comfortable? Absolutely. Amen. Should he work hard and say, I want to I be able to put my kids in the best school? Absolutely, absolutely you should. 
Richie's a, a, a wonderful guy, such a pleasant Christian, so, so much fun. These guys are wonderful guys, and, and I'm sure they're pleasant at work, absolutely. However, I fully expect that they will not let the idols, the, 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 the sources of pride, the things of this world to get them to bow down to those things instead of bowing down to Jesus time after time after time. How many know we want men of God who overcome this world? Of course, you want to do what's best for your family. Of course, you want to study and you want to get smart and get the great job. Of course, all of those things are great. However, don't fall in love with it. And don't think that that is it. Don't set in your heart that you have arrived because we don't arrive until we stand before God in heaven and hear, well done. That's where we're living for. That's what we're looking for. Come on, say yes. Just, just out of faith in Philadelphia. Say yes, that's what I want. We have to understand how powerful this really is. And let me emphasize this one more time. Look at what the Bible says. 2 Timothy 4 puts it this way. This is the Apostle Paul writing. This is the greatest leader, the greatest Christian, arguably, that ever lived. Right? And here's what it says. It says, Demas fell in love with this present world and has deserted me. Going off to Thessalonica. But watch this. Crescens went to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia and only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he can help me in the work. In other words, some people leave, some people stay. Some people leave, some people stay. Just because you come to church doesn't mean you're staying. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. But if you, the only way to stay in fellowship with God is to have the ability to say, I want that, I'll pursue that, but not at the cost of my heart. I won't give my heart to anything except Jesus and my family and the kingdom of God. That's what I'm about while I'm here. So this is a deep message. This is that you have to practice because the things pop up. If they could send me a keyboard player, things pop up, things pop up. And as they're popping up, you have to have the spiritual discernment. That's why he started with light and darkness. You have to be able to discern, mm, that's getting dark now. I'm gonna move away from that because that's getting dark now. I don't want the dark. So look, believe it or not, I still have some very important stuff to say and I want you to stick with me. Okay, I, I, uh, um, I just, I just, this is important. Okay, so here's some practical advice on things that make sure or help us to, to detach. So how do we detach? How do we maintain our fellowship with God? I wanna give you three key things that will really help you. There are many more, but here's three key things that I've seen, especially when it comes to materialism and privileges and pleasure. You ready? Number one, worship often. Number two, give obediently. Number three, have a kingdom-focused stewardship in your life. So let me break this down as fast as I can. Number one, worship often. Worship is about credit and gratitude. Do you know what? There's a who gets the credit meter in every heart. You have it. You've got it in your heart. There's a meter inside of each and every one of us, even with little babies, who gets the credit, okay? And you've gotta be judging who gets the credit. When you start growing up, when you start becoming mature and good things start happening, here's a great question, who gets the credit? Who gets the credit? So worship 
is where we stop and give God the credit. Worship is where we stop and say, I am grateful, God. I don't take my blessings for granted. I am grateful, God. You are good. You are wonderful. And let me tell you what worship does. Worship detaches us from self. Worship breaks the grip of our ego. Worship opens the doors of of humility, which opens the door to the grace of God. You see, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands. I need you more than the air that I breathe. Let me tell you, you sing that and you get over yourself. You get over yourself. Worship is not cultural. Some people try to say worship is cultural, and you know what? That is simply not true. Do you know that the most often issued command in all of the Bible is to praise God? Over and over and over, praise the Lord, worship the Lord, bless the Lord, oh my soul. It's the command most often given. So you got to understand, you can be a businessman, you can be successful and praise God. You can worship God, but if you're like, well, I'm too dignified. Don't you know what position I hold at university of whatever? Baloney! That's baloney! Can Can pastor say that, right? Don't fall for that nonsense. Because there's nothing greater than a man who worships the King of glory. And look, I I happen to know a lot of godly people, godly businessmen, and this is like, just so happens I heard this, so I won't give names, but but there's a guy I know, he is as successful, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, well-to-do as anybody I know. Somebody might be as, but he's as, you know, he's, he's reached it. So he tells me this the other day. So I was driving, and even though he travels the world, does all these kinds of things, comes to prayer meeting at least once a month. He, you know, there have been moments when he gets off a plane and comes to church, okay? So, and uh, he was telling me the other day, I was going, and I was in prayer meeting, and there was a seven-minute section of worship in the prayer meeting that so moved me that I played it in the car. And while I was playing it in the car, I just began to worship God as I was driving to work. And the Spirit of God fell upon me and I was praying in the Spirit. And I went all the way home. There were more things. I can't even tell you the whole story. But you would, who would know that that guy who is At the top of his game, at the top of his field, guess what? Even that guy, even captains of industry can still get on their knees in the morning or lift up their hands at night in the living room and say, I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're worthy to be praised. When you worship God, you put God in his right place and consequently you in your right place. I want to encourage you, worship often because there's something about worshiping. By the way, I find in my life that worship is most often the doorway to fellowship with Jesus. Most often. I need you more than the air that I breathe you. Captured my heart, I can't remember the rest. (laughs) Pulling me closer. Go for a walk and sing that. Watch what happens. Do it in the morning. Watch what happens. All of a sudden, you're going to be able to, you're going to, you're like, oh, snap, God met me. You know, what happened? I can't even describe, but I'm telling you right now, I know that I know that I was in the presence of God. Pastor Jose preached this past Tuesday. Listen, he preached about this past Tuesday. He said, there's no 
a religious thing that you could do because like you're like well I went to church or I did this or I volunteered or there's no good deed that will ever come close or surpass the presence of God so number one I want to encourage you to worship God if you worship God it keeps him in his place and you in yours number two and I know I got a I got a uh, a lot of, I got to keep going here, okay? Number two, give obediently. Amen. Give obediently. You know, I meant to bring my wallet. My wife always tells me, take the wallet out of your pocket. You can see the thing. So I, I took it out, but I forgot. But I want you to make believe that my wallet is right here, okay? So your wallet tells you a lot. Thank you. Come on, this is Chrissy's. Let me see what's in here, man. You know, no, no. All right, so this is her wallet, right? So this tells you a lot about yourself. And when you say, my wallet internally there should be, my wallet is more my stewardship kit, not my ownership kit. This is my stewardship kit. And um, with what God gives me, I honor God and I care for my family. My late father always told me, your money is for your family. Okay? You honor God, you take care of your family, and you serve others. Amen. That's the way to see your wallet, not my power, my whatever. No, this is my stewardship. And I want to read some very important verses to you. I'll just hold on to this for the next four weeks, honey. Okay? <laughs> so listen, Luke 16, 10 says this. Whoever is faithful in small matters will be faithful in large ones. Whoever is dishonest in small matters will be dishonest in large ones. If you, if then you have not been faithful in handling worldly wealth, how can you be trusted with true wealth? Oh, snap. And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what belongs to you? Watch this. No servant can be the slave of two masters. Such a slave will hate one and love the other or be loyal to one and despise the other. Here it is. You cannot serve both God and money. And so when I say give obediently, I'm talking about what the Bible says about giving and look, if you're a new believer here today, I want you to, I don't want you to feel pressure. When we take the offering, uh, we often say, don't feel pressure. But here's what you should do. You should keep looking into the scriptures to find out what the Bible says. So in this moment, I'm talking to people who are more mature in God because in every aspect of your faith life, you have to grow in faith and you have to grow in giving. But sooner or later, when you grow up in God, when you know what the Bible says, when you know better, here's what the Bible says. Here's what giving obediently means. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the half tithe into the storehouse. It doesn't say bring the quarter tithe. Bring the tithe that you feel like. It doesn't say that. It says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Watch this that there may be food in my house. So here's what it's saying. It's saying that every leader, every uh, head of household here, everyone who has a job, this is God's house. This is where you belong. If you belong to another church, your tithe should not go here. Your tithe goes over wherever you worship because collectively 
We are on mission together. And when you give, when, when Chrissy and I give and we do our part and you give and you do your part, little here, someone a little bit more there, uh, a lot here, you know, uh, when collectively, when we all do that, then everything is in, all the resources are in God's house so that we could fulfill the kingdom mandate and purposes that God has put upon us. How many believe we're supposed to raise up the next spirit-filled generation? So this is about, look, we've got, I just met two people today. They're here for the first time. I don't, I don't expect them to like understand all of this right now. I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm talking about, look, materialism will control you unless you submit it to God. You see? And when you're rich and when you're successful, you're very vulnerable. The Bible says it's harder for the rich man to get into heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Why? Of a, of a needle. Why? It's because riches are so powerful unless we do what? We submit it to God. But when you obey the Lord, man, powerful things happen. And guess what? I'm going to tell you this. You will never give more to God than God gives to you. Could somebody say amen? Hallelujah. He says, give and it shall be given. Come on, put your hands together. Hallelujah. Now, you know, why am I talking about this? Because we're talking about materialism. We're talking about, about the shiny objects and all of those things. And these are the ways that the Bible helps us. And then here's the last thing, and we'll close with this. The last thing is have a kingdom-focused stewardship, which means that you should have this sense of calling to the kingdom of God a role that you want to play in the kingdom of God that God shows you. So let, let's take, Mike, how old are you? 32? Okay, so Mike is 32. He's got a bunch of little ones. But what if you're 40 in your later 40s? What should you be doing? What, how, how should your family see you? This, just, this was random. Last week, I was back there talking to, to Taylor, and he showed me a picture of he and his son. I want to throw this picture up for you. So this is Taylor, and this is son, both on camera. Taylor's behind the scenes, his wife, MJ. These people are great servants. They have, look, he's a successful guy. He's a smart guy, but he recognizes that he has stuff to do for God. And let me tell you something. So I, I was reading the newspaper, and, and they say LeBron James wants to hang around so that his son, Bronny, will get there, and they'll be able to play together, and that's a big deal. You see this right here? This is way bigger than that, brothers and sisters. Come on, somebody say amen. There are things that keep us attached, and there are things that will always detach us. 